0: Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On this episode, we interview Joey Sturgis from joeysturgistones.com.
1: When Joey Sturgis started playing around with music and computers straight out of high school, he never thought he would end up building a business around a hobby. While following one's passion may seem like having your head in the clouds, Joey is a perfect example of someone who was able to leverage that passion and push himself to learn everything necessary to build a successful business. Today, we asked Joey what it takes to go from a side gig to a well-established, profitable business. Hey Joey, how's it going?
2: Good. Thanks for having me. How are you?
1: Good, good. Thank you. Joey, can you tell us a little bit about you and Joey Sturgis tones and how this whole thing started out for you?
2: Sure. So, if you're not familiar with me, I actually started out as a record producer. And the way I got into doing that is I was in several bands in high school and stuff and I recorded my own demo, which I'm fast-forwarding really quickly here, but it that took probably a whole year or two just to figure out how to record my own demo. And it was just out of necessity because home recording wasn't popular then. Getting into a studio was extremely expensive and kind of daunting for a young high school student. So figured out how to do it on my own and became a record producer without trying. I mean, essentially, I guess I had a knack for it. And once they heard my demo that I had made, because we actually put it out on MySpace, once people heard that, they wanted to work with me and... That was really surprising to me. And at that time, I was a computer technician at a computer shop, and I worked Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, typical job. What happened was I I would record on the weekends, and I would also record sort of after 5 p.m. And I got to a point where that started making more money than the 9 to 5 job, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I stopped going to work. So long story short, I I became a producer. I made you know local recordings for bands in the tri-state area. Got to a position where I recorded a band that ended up getting signed. And then that band came back to me to do their first album. And then I got in really good with the owner of that record label who became my manager. And then it snowballed out of control. I pretty much became the popular producer in that genre of music. And everyone was going to me. And so I built up a career being an audio producer for about 10 years. I did that.
1: Mm-hmm
2: which gave me the platform to create Joey Sturge's Tones.
1: Well, So it was not planned or anything, right? It's sort of, you just started uh, small and then somehow realized that there was going to be growth. Or did you know that this was the goal at the end, you know, all along?
2: I was just kind of going along with it. I never, first of all, I should say, I never planned on having a software company. That's not anything that ever crossed my mind. The thing that happened was, I started to become one of the first producers online to be popular with the fans, which is kind of weird cuz a lot of fans don't really pay attention to, you know, who the producer is on an album. They they like the band. They listen to the band because they like the band. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, and I believe this is YouTube's fault, I was becoming this popular guy. We were making these these behind the scenes videos and putting them out on YouTube with like just a handheld camcorder. You know, we would make them funny, and we were doing that back in 2006, 2007. So I think people like Gruden know who I was, and then that enabled me to sort of be out there for people to talk to. And kids would be like, hey, how did you get that guitar sound, or how did you record those drums? And I got asked so many questions to the point where I, I started to make my own guitar sound preset, and I actually I started on Big Cartel. I got a big cartel shop, threw my guitar preset up there and put it on sale j- just so I wouldn't have to answer the question anymore. And that's kind of how this whole e commerce thing got started because the demand for it was just very apparent
0: and it was just there. So I kind of took that and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is cool to see the, the natural progression where you just sort of stumble into something amazing you don't have to go into super techie details but what was the first rig you started recording on oh man (laughs) it's funny that when i
2: first started recording i was using my friend's equipment he had a little setup in his garage that he sort of converted into a makeshift studio and that's where i did a lot of a lot of my initial recordings and the uh the computer was just a like a compact computer or something and we had an Aardvark Q10, which is an ancient PCI-based audio interface, and then uh, a Behringer mixer, which is like a $200 mixer. I mean, it was bare bones as possible, and I did a lot with very little. And then once I started to make money, I would you know, invest a little bit, put some of the money into the gear. But uh, even all the way up to this point, I've still done tons and tons of records on little, very little amounts of gear. My setup right now at my house is very modest.
0: Yeah, no, I ask because I didn't take musicianship as serious as you did, but I did um I was in and out of bands for a little while and then specifically did some solo like acoustic stuff around town and we recorded one album, but when I first attempted, like way back in the day, I had this old Dell laptop and I had a I had no I think, like return for a mic input, like a headphone jack or anything. And so I bought one of those like PCI sound cards and it happened to be placed right over the hard drive. And from using it, it got so hot, it fried the hard drive of the laptop. <laughs> so like, that was my first experience of attempting to record myself. <laughs> well, one of the things I like to
2: to talk about in the beginning, I didn't have enough channels to do everything. So I always had to take all the Tom mics and combine them into one channel. Mm-hmm. And so in order to pan the Toms, because like, you know, Toms typically in a recording and the Toms are, they go from left to right, you know, will as you, they uh, go around the kit. just
0: clarify for people that don't know what you're talking about? What is a Tom? It's one of the drums. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, like, uh, kind of the medium size above the big one. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: typically they're panned in the stereo field so that you hear some of them on the left and some of them on the right. The way you would do that is you'd put them into different channels and and pan those different channels. But since I didn't have enough channels, I, I would just put them all into one channel. And then later in the software, I'd have to go in and automate so that the panning knob moves around as the drummer hits the different toms, and (laughs) it would take hours and hours just to do that. So So
0: funny how much like the right tools can save time. Yeah, (laughs) kind of thing. All right. So what do you feel like then Just based on what you're telling us about? What was the most difficult part of establishing a name for yourself in the industry?
2: I would say, and I'll kind of put this as advice to other people, which is, at the end of the day, whatever you're doing in business, it all comes down to human connection, like human relationships. So, you could be the best recording engineer on the planet, but that doesn't matter if you can't talk to people and you can't like, you know, interact. So, the big thing for me was just being a cool guy to work with. And when you're working with bands, I mean, you're talking about what I think most people consider to be the coolest people on the planet, right? So it can be, in high school, I was very introvert. So I had to sort of figure out how to break out of my shell and be cool with these really cool people.
1: Well, that's that's interesting that you say that. So because I think being introverted is something that doesn't happen just to teenagers in high school. I mean, even adults can feel introverted. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But do you have any advice for someone... Who needs to network and approach people and make connections, but they are introverted?
2: I think there's an expectation of like how confident people are. And I, I think if you realize that other people are just as nervous as you or, or lack a certain amount of confidence just as much as you, it becomes a little easier to sort of interface with people because just as much as you haven't met someone for the first time, they also haven't met you. So it, there's a two-way street here, and I think people forget that, and they let their inner dialogue sort of control them. And, and I think if you can figure out how to let that down, let go of that, it becomes a lot easier.
1: Mm-hmm. You're clearly passionate about what you do, but you're also good with music and computers. We've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs um, who basically shared this idea that you should stay away from quote unquote following your passion and just stick with what you're really good at or your skill set. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think there's a a much better way to put it. And this is something that, um, took a little bit of time for me to figure out. And that is, this is going to sound so cliche, but figuring out where your skill set and your passion meet together. And the way I like to put it is what is your mission? Like, why are you here on earth? What are you here to do? And for me, I didn't discover this until about a year into doing Joey Sturge's Tones. So up to that point, I had been recording artists for 10 years, and then I had my software company for about a year. And one day in the shower, I just realized everything that I've done – including my audio education company, which we can talk about in a minute. Everything that I've done up to this point has helped people to make great music. And I feel like that is my mission here. Everything that I do, if I make audio products, if I record an album, if I tell somebody what I think about their song, if I do a podcast about how to record drums, all of these things go back to helping people make great music. And once I defined that mission, it made everything so clear and put everything into focus and allowed me to know where to spend my time, where not to waste my time. Uh, should I read this book? Is it going to help me with my mission to help people make great music? It just makes everything so much better and so so much clearer. And I think that is where people should figure out. If I wish I had like a method for it. I don't. But if you can figure out where your passion and your skills meet into that mission, that's probably the best way
0: for you to go forward. Mm -hmm. I want to know more. Like you said, you don't have a method and that's fair, but you still came to that realization. Describe that moment or the things leading up to that moment. How did you know? I think I knew when
2: I had a phone call with uh, one of my good friends and he was kind of struggling with, with what to do and where to go. And uh, he's a songwriter and he's also in a band and he also records music and we were talking about my success and, you know, he was like, man, I, I really just want to figure that out for myself as well, you know, because I was, I was explaining how I had this successful audio education company, software companies doing really great. I've, I'm a record producer. I've got a gold record. I'm on the Grammy committee. Like all these things were happening for me. And he's like, man, I just got to find that for myself. And, and I was like, well, what are you here to do? Like, you know, what is your purpose here on earth? and we started to talk through it and i started to realize that through this conversation i was not only helping him figure out what he's good at and where he needs to go i was also discovering that for myself i was figuring this out as like okay people ask me these questions all the time people seek advice from me i must be offering something really really great to these people you know the next day is when i was like I think my mission here is to really help people make great music and also help them find their inspiration. And And I have inspired him to pursue his songwriting career. And I think his mission is to help people write great songs. I help people make great music, but he helps people write great songs. And he does that when he's in his band, which he has to collaborate with a group of people to make a great song. And he does the same thing when he works with his clients and stuff. So I think really it all clicked during that phone call and when I woke up the next day and just had that realization. But I think the important thing is there's so many people that think that it's just as easy as, you know, one, two, three, or maybe one through a hundred. But I think it's more about a mindset, like having the the mindset to know that as a human being, I think you have to bring value to others. And, and once you find what you're best at, you know, what kind of value you bring to others and how you do it best, that's when it all clicks. I see a lot of people struggling with the details of like, well, should I buy more products? Uh, should I make more products? Should I go this direction? It's all about bringing value to others. If you can figure out that value.
1: What, what do you mean by bringing up value? I mean, I think I know what you mean, but I wouldn't want to make assumptions. So can you elaborate a little bit on that?
2: There's so many people focused on the wrong things. They need to be focused on what they bring to others. And then, you know, the universe will reciprocate. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's all about what are you good at with bringing stuff to other people? Like, mm-hmm. I'm really good at I feel like I'm really good at inspiring people and I'm also really good at educating people about audio and providing tools for audio. So if I focus on that as much as I can in my life, then that will be how I become the most successful that I can possibly be. So I feel like others should find that gift. That, should Exactly. Be. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So. You know, you just said earlier, this is really interesting, you said, you know, people should try to find that sweet spot, not exactly quoting you, but basically this is what you said, you know, the place where your passion and what you're good at or your skill set meet, you know, that's not very likely to happen for everyone. Do you think that if you weren't particularly good with music and computers, do you think that your passion would have been enough to carry you through? Is it enough to have passion to push someone to learn and you know, acquire, if you will, or or build a skill that they don't have?
2: I've definitely seen people transform in that way. And, and actually, the friend of mine, his name is Tyler, that we were talking about a second ago, he, I've seen him do that. I've seen him go from being a musician first, but not really understanding how recording works, to moving to L.A. and recording, like... You know, these bands that have like million dollar record deals. So he learned that. Like he had to pound the pavement and figure it out for himself. And he, of course, he had a mentor like me to ask questions along the way, which I believe helped him out quite a bit. But he had the passion and the drive, but not necessarily the skill set, first of all. So he overcame that for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You kind of have a hybrid. It needs to be like being passionate about it is helpful yeah it needs to be needed what sort of pitfalls have you found maybe more in a business sense like how has this pursuing of passion maybe hindered you if you weren't more aware on a business angle
2: that is a tricky question i think for me the thing that has helped this whole helped me move forward is a fascination with the challenges associated with doing this because I'm not formally trained. So you know, I didn't go to college. I don't know. I don't have a formal background in business or anything. So I learned how to make the LLC on my own. I learned how to contact a lawyer and write agreements and work. You know, find programmers on the internet and then how write. How fun a co-
1: was that? By the I way. mean,
2: I love it. Honestly, Good, like, you, <laughs> that's the thing. Is it just. I spent so long recording bands and just doing the same thing over and over that I got to the point where I just now I love anything that I can learn about marketing, anything I can learn about advertising. I read books about marketing, all that boring stuff that I think a lot of people hate. I I am just fascinated by it and challenged by it at the same time, and mm-hmm. and I love a good challenge. So I really attack everything that comes along with my business. Like right now, we're preparing for our first trade show. And that's a whole different world that I've never, no one has taught me anything about it. I've, I don't know anything about it, and I'm just going in headfirst. I love being scared. I think I love that idea of, I have to figure this out or it's not going to work. And, and being in that position motivates me.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: I'm thinking of mine right now. I got it on the tip of my tongue.
1: Yeah. yeah, Like there's so much that he said that I would want to follow up on, but someone in, in a similar position to you doing something that they're really passionate about, but they're making a business out of it. Like how can someone in a similar position avoid making poor business decisions that are probably clouded by their emotional attachment towards what they do?
2: There's two things to that. So first of all, You have to make poor business decisions. Otherwise, you can't learn. This is where I struggle because the other side of the coin is you have some people who are constantly making poor decisions and they're not reacting to that. So the first thing I would say is make those poor decisions, but then be real with yourself and look at the results. Was that a good idea? Like actually act upon what you learn. And and this is something that I learned as being a music producer. And I think this carried over into me being a businessman, which is you know if you want to make a song sound a certain way you try it and then you listen to it and then you you judge and if it sounds bad then you be real with yourself this doesn't sound good we need to do it a different way but at least we tried and through that trial and error process which also I should attribute some of this to computer science because me being the, the computer engineer, you know, we would have these computers come in with viruses and it's be like, okay, well, I think it's this file. Let's delete it. Did that help? Okay, no, nope, it's still there. Let's try again. So trial and error came into my life over and over again throughout different ways. And I think into the business sense, I try things. And if it doesn't work, I try something else. And I try to learn from all of my experiments. And I think one thing that's really nice about today... Because we have tools that that are, you know, that our fathers and grandfathers didn't have, we can see in real time how many people are clicking on a link. We can see who is being shown this link. We can see we have so much more data than they did, and and we can act on it so much quicker. And so there's really no excuse for you to to actually go out there and test stuff, like mm-hmm. you know, test product names. Even that's that's something that, that we did in the beginning. Is we had. Um, we had this product called Old Metal Machine. It was a guitar preset. And then we also had it called Metal Machine. And I tested these two over a period of weeks. And that word old, like just having that word old in there, it didn't sell very well. And we removed that word, and all of a sudden people are buying the preset. The preset was the same thing and it had the same examples, so you could hear what it sounded like and all this. It just that word it people were. Yeah, they were they were uncomfortable with that word, and so that's what the main point is: is that you should test as many things as you can think of, but be responsible and be honest with yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're more of a data guy, right? It doesn't sound like you go by anecdotes or stories or gut feeling, or maybe I'm wrong.
2: I think I am a data guy at at first, mm-hmm. um, and but I do realize the importance of like making that connection. Mm-hmm. And bringing the story into it, and and that's actually one of the ways that we market our products too, is to, to tell stories. In uh, one of our one of our best selling products, it's called Gain Reduction. It's a vocal compressor, and I know this sounds like mumbo jumbo to a lot of people, but <laughs> essentially what we did is we told the story of how this product impacted people's lives and what it did for them is it made it easier for them to express themselves and and create music. Mm -hmm. And all we had to do is show that on camera and that's all it took. Right.
1: Hmm. Yeah. People are craving that, right? If you could give yourself or your younger self rather, or, you know, other entrepreneurs listening to you right now, just one piece of advice, what would it be?
2: This is a great question because I, my mind goes in so many different directions. I usually tend to lean on, read the manual because what I mean by that is there's for 10 years of my audio career I should have been receiving music royalties and I didn't and so you know I have probably around two maybe 2.5 million record sales with no royalties which as you can imagine is is very uh, depressing <laughs> <laughs> So, if I had read the manual on music law, like how things work, how it's how it's supposed to work properly, I think I would be in a much better place. And I've experienced the same thing with you know, with taxes, like you know, why doesn't our school system teach kids about taxes, it's right. yeah. yeah the same thing with law, like how entertainment law works, how how software contracts are typically structured. Time and time again, it's over and over. I've seen, I, I wish I would have read the fine print. I wish I would have read the manual. Not the most glamorous advice, but I feel like it's pretty practical.
1: It's a pretty practical advice that I'm still learning. And by the way, earlier when you said that you love marketing and whatnot, I mean, I love that. I love reading about these things too. It's just that I don't really have fun reading about the laws pertaining to you know the nitty-gritty details. As you said, the fine print is not something that I or most people really enjoy you know, going over. So I hear you.
2: It's also taught me things that I never would have expected, like just reading the, like the PayPal seller agreement and stuff. It's like, Oh,
0: that kind of gives me an idea on how to structure my refund policy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you like to go to learn whether it be books, articles, blogs, that kind of thing all over. And then let's keep it in context because you're obviously dealing with a specialty industry. More on the the business topics for sake of the audience. I listen to a lot of Ty Lopez, Gary V. Mm-hmm. Uh, I
2: like Gary V. He inspires me. Just really just those two. And then I've read a lot of the books like by Peter Thiel from Zero to One. I have a really good mentor. His name is Finn McKenty. He actually has a, a website called I think it's called the Punk Rock MBA or the Punk MBA which is really cool uh, it's all about business but from a punk standpoint and he tells me all these books to check out and and all these like interviews to to watch so he's a really good resource for me and I think if you actually check out his site you can get access to a lot of that stuff and then another another good one would be Creative Live which is a website creativelive.com you can actually take classes from people like I'm having a, a brain fart on the guy who wrote the four hour work week. Who is that? Um, um,
1: Tim Ferriss.
2: Yeah, Tim Ferriss does a class there. Several other similar type people in that industry are,
0: do classes there. But on the flip side, I do classes there too. Oh, wow. um, yeah, no, I've seen some other stuff. We did. Um... A, I think it was alex bloomberg he's probably best known for some npr stuff and then he started the company gimlet media and they've done like startup was kind of the premier podcast and he did one on storytelling with him podcasting and that was a really really good course too that's awesome yeah chase jarvis is the owner of that creative live so he's
2: also a very smart businessman and there's a lot to learn from him as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah so joey are there any other things, I know you mentioned, I uh, wanted to give you an opportunity that you, you might want to talk about your one company. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience about that?
2: I have a, an audio education company called Unstoppable Recording Machine. Um, and what we aim to do is build the next generation of audio professionals. This is something that we felt was missing, at least from the e-commerce space, There's not a lot of internet options. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there where you can learn, Um, but I feel like we've figured out a way to actually build careers with this and for a very, very, very cost-effective way. I think it's we have two offerings right now, $20 a month or $40 a month. So what we do is we'll bring in professionals. For example, we actually brought in Andrew Wade, who is a music producer, and he mixed a song by a band called Neck Deep, and so we actually get the real song, and we get the real mixer, and we show you exactly how they mix the song, and it's it's on a live broadcast. There's a chat room. You can ask questions, and we answer them in real time. It's very cool. That's just one part of what we do, but if you wanted to check it out, if you're interested in in kind of going deeper down that rabbit hole, our website is urm.academy.
1: urm.academy? Yep. Okay, Good. Good. so is that the best place for people to find out more about you
2: not exactly i think the best place for people to f- find out more about me in particular would literally to be to google my name i'm like the first 20 pages of results
1: <laughs> okay good yeah <laughs> so we'll anyway link up to uh, to your website and to more information about you um, yeah. when you post the, the podcast great thank you so much for being with us it was really a pleasure
0: absolutely One-Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit comealivecreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit convergio.com forward slash iTunes. Oh, 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 oh,